The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. In 2012, American journalist James Foley was kidnapped in Syria. Two years later, he was killed by ISIS in a public beheading, which was quickly shared in an image online. There's a new book entitled American Mother, and it sees James' mother, Diane, tell her story of her son's ISIS captivity and murder. And I'm happy to say that Diane is with me this morning. Diane, good morning and welcome, as is Colin McCann, co-author of the book. Colin, good to see you too. Great to see you too. Now, um, I think we'll just get this out of the way, how you became involved in this, because there is an image that, if you like, dragged you into this There's an amazing story behind it, Pat. I mean, um, on the day that uh, we saw that iconic image, which became, uh, you know, one of the the, the big images of the the start of the 20th century, the uh, beheading of James, at the same time, I got a a picture of him and uh, it was him in a bunker in Afghanistan in better times reading a book of mine called Let the Great World Spin and I was just completely flabbergasted that these two images came side by side at the same time and I started this kinship with Jim that didn't uh, really result until I got to meet Diane uh, many years later. Yeah, but you emailed Diane, uh, you know, to say if you ever want help in telling your story and Jim's story, I, I, I'm willing to do it. Uh, but the email got lost in, in, in cyberspace somewhere in the plethora of emails you must have got at the time, Diane. Exactly, Pat. I never saw it. You know, I never, you know, not at all. It was really thanks to a, a friend of ours at Marquette University who was studying, they were studying Colm's book, A Paragon, and we were brought together on a Zoom call about the that's right. book. And that's how it happened? Yes. And I drove up then from New York to New Hampshire to meet Diane and her, her wonderful husband, John. We spent a couple of days together. And then Diane told me this amazing thing that she was going to meet the killer of her son. and she was Alexander going to... Cote. Exactly. Um, now, we, we'll talk about that. It begins the book and it also ends the book in a way. But I want to get to know a little bit about Jim because there are some pictures of him and he, he could have been a Hollywood idol. Handsome, uh, chiselled, all-American hero. That's how he looks. Yeah, well, Jim was was lovely. He was a lot of fun, a curious young man. He was very interested in life, full of life, um, and interested in storytelling. Um, Loved to read, loved stories. And I think the older he became, he was very interested in telling stories. Um, and that's what drew him to journalism eventually. Yeah. yeah. Now, he had many adventures, and a column has it adverted to his time in Afghanistan, many adventures before he ended up in Syria. Yes. What was he actually doing in Syria? What was he trying to tell? Well, he went to both Libya and Syria right at the beginning of the Arab Spring. And um, it was quite dangerous. So a lot of staff reporters had fled the area and many freelancers were going in because it was history unfolding, literally. Folks in that area, part of the world, just yearning for the freedoms we have, um, willing to lay down their lives and rebel, if you will. Um, So he went into Syria to tell that story. And to hear, you know, um, from the civilians to just see 
really bring back to us here in the West what was happening. Now, uh, you know, if you belong to a big news organisation, you have minders. Even then, that does not keep you safe necessarily uh, because so many journalists have died in conflicts over the years. But he didn't have any of that assistance. Not at all. I mean, it was... I had no idea how dangerous it was to be a freelancer in 2011 because he had no security detail, very small budget, you know, so they often stayed in the cheapest places. And um, yeah, uh, it was a very dangerous work. Now, he he was kidnapped. And of course, the usual thing is demand a ransom from governments. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. the U.S. government does not negotiate. Well, yes, but we did not even know if he was alive. We didn't for the... Nine months after his kidnapping in November of 2011, everything was quiet. Many rumors, but we had no idea who had actually taken him. So it wasn't until the fall of 2011 and ultimately November when we received the first email from the captors demanding either exchange of prisoners or 100 million euro. So. Yeah. Now, the, the point about the American government not negotiating, um, not alone would they not negotiate, but they would discourage you guys if you ever had the resources, if you tried to raise the money, Absolutely. they would regard that as an offence. Absolutely. I mean, we were, uh, you know, told we would be prosecuted um, should we dare to consider raising a ransom. Now, what did you learn of Jim's captivity during these times when it was now confirmed that he was alive? Because other people did, thanks to their governments and other intermediaries, did emerge from that captivity. Absolutely. I um, When we found out he was alive, we had such hope. And then that following year, 2012, when the French came out and the Spanish... We were filled with hope, and I had been continually reassured that Jim was our government's highest priority, and so I was quite naive and really trusted that our government was negotiating for him. Uh, They sent someone to investigate, someone who did not speak Arabic. Right. I mean, came back with absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, Colm, just to, to pick up on, on this uh, narrative, this is a, at a time when the rest of the world is looking on in horror of what is going on with ISIS and how cruel they can be. But we, we get an insight in terms of the meetings with this uh, kidnapper, this executioner, if you like, Alexander Cote, of what their thinking was at the time. Yeah, I mean, uh, these were some radicalised um, young um, young British citizens um, and they became known as the Beatles uh, be- because uh, of their English accents. <clears throat> Excuse me, but also um, because they 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 were known to be brutal and they beat people up, and that was the internal nickname among among the hostages. And some some awful things um, happened when when uh, the people were in in captivity, and um, it was a tough time. The whole world sort of uh, hinged on. Um, <clears throat> I'm so sorry. <clears throat> All these stories of change and so on. Do you think, uh, Diane, that Jim was treated uh, differently and badly because he was American and, the, you know, America's not talking? Absolutely. Um, uh, I really think the, the Americans, Brits, were um, very harshly treated, particularly since we wouldn't even interact with them, with the captors. Now, you got to see President Obama. 
yes, briefly after Jim was killed, yes. Um, what, what, I mean, this is an extraordinary meeting that the, you write about it in, in the book when you went to see him in the White House. He's there behind his desk mm-hmm. drinking tea. Mm-hmm. Didn't offer you tea. Didn't think about it, I'm sure. Yeah. Your impression of a brilliant man, but maybe not, well, not having the empathy that you might have expected. Right. I was, I was honored to meet him, of course, but I, you know, I was incredibly disappointed in how I had been treated as an American citizen. I felt very strongly that our country could do much better in terms of having the backs of innocent um, Americans who were taken hostage like our son was, you know. Now, eventually, of course, these people are apprehended and uh, Alexander Cote uh, facing trial uh, and is convicted in due time. But the extraordinary thing is that you decided that you wanted to meet him. Why? I knew Jim would have not wanted me to be afraid of him. And Jim would have talked to him. And wanted to hear his side of the story. I also wanted to tell him who Jim was, to humanize Jim for him, because I really feel for Alexander, Jim was just a symbol of any mistake our country has ever done, you know, in the world, you know, and there was great hatred towards Jim and the others. You had in total three meetings with him? Yes. Um, you remarked that it was in the second meeting that if you, like, you gleaned most from yes, him. Yes, definitely. I think we were more relaxed in the second meeting. And um, Was he afraid of you when you no, had that first meeting? No, I don't think he was afraid. I think both of us felt quite awkward. You know, it was awkward. But he had a self-assurance about him and he did want to tell why he did what he did, that it was in the fog of war and he was a soldier um, and he wanted me to hear his reasons, if you will, you know. But in that second meeting, he also shared um, his loss and he did express remorse for what we as a family had gone through. Not for what he had done, which was, as he put it, in the fog of war, but because of indirectly what you had to go through. Right, right. Did you believe that was sincere? Some of it, yes. Um, But he also was experiencing his own loss, loss of citizenship, loss of his family, country. Um, Showed me, very poignantly, showed me pictures of his three little daughters and started to cry, really. So I think he was the most human at that Mm -hmm. moment. Uh, Colm, you were there? Yeah. It was one of the most extraordinary moments I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, to walk into a room with Diane, to see um, uh, Alexander Cody sitting there, shackles around his ankles. Uh, there were prosecutors in the room, there were defence people, there were FBI agents, they all dissolved away. It all came down to that moment where we were sitting across the table where a mother was looking at uh, the killer of her son and, and uh, we were talking about forgiveness, we were talking about grace, we were talking about Jim's history. And one of the spectacular things for me was the fact that Diane is telling uh, Jim's story. And in a way, Jim is becoming more and more and more alive in the process of her telling the story to um, the, 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 her son's killer. And um, the emotion that went between us. And one of the things, um, and Diane will agree with me on this, um, 
we kind of, in a curious way, Pat, we kind of liked them. Uh, we came out of the first, the first break and we looked at each other and said, oh, that's not exactly what I expected. There's something there that... Uh, and he was reading Patrick Radden's Keefe's book, Say Nothing. He was interested mm. in Irish politics and, and there was a rapport between us and, and, and there was a little bit of a dance. But when it got down to that st- stripped down moment when he cried and he showed the picture of his daughters, all the humanity in the story came, came absolutely apparent. Um, you know, the fact that in a, in a different world, you might have liked him, um, that Jim might have got on with him, mm-hmm. that they might have had lots of things in common. Um, you say that uh, had he asked for your forgiveness, that you would have given it. Well, um, it was cer- had he asked. I mean, he didn't. But he didn't ask. He did not. But I did feel quite a bit of empathy for him. Uh, you know, and the truth is, Pat, I think in that kind of a situation where hatred reigns, you know, everyone loses. And we had lost our beloved son, but he too has lost his freedom for his decisions and his probably his ability to ever see his family again. You know. Yeah. Because uh, he would be away for the rest of his life in not a very pleasant uh, prison jurisdiction. Um, he might in time apply for repatriation to the UK. Would they want him? Doubtful that they would. Um, so that's how he will spend the rest of his days exactly. as a relatively young man. Exactly. And so that part was sad. You know, we all mm. lost. Now, you, you reproduce in the book, Colm, a, a letter which is remarkably articulate and grammatical, and it's not what you expect from a man who somewhere in the desert beheads somebody. You just don't expect that. Well, the thing is, uh, you know, he was portrayed in the uh, the British media in particular uh, as a sort of uh, football hooligan, you know, uh, a QPR follower, a, a thug who went to, to, to all these matches. One of the first things I asked him, I said, oh, so you support um, QPR? He says, no, I don't know QPR at all. I went to a late Orient game one time in, 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 in my life. But no, none of that background, it was all sort of invented uh, for him. And so this man who... Um, ended up being quite articulate um, and, and this really interesting grammar uh, and, and this wonderful uh, script that the reason we reproduce the actual letter in the, in the book is because the script is so, so meticulous yeah. and glorious. Uh, fascinating man. Now, the, the ordeal that you went through, first of all, um, I mean, the ordeal of any mother who finds out that her son wants to be a war correspondent, basically, that's the first. He's going to put himself in harm's way. Now, you come... Uh, he came from a military family, so, you know. Yes. So, so that uh, probably was either in the military or as a war correspondent, something that would not have been beyond the horizon at all in your minds. No, and to be honest, I was rather ignorant about how dangerous it is to be a war correspondent. I re- truly was, and Jim was always just so curious. He really wasn't afraid of much. And um, he, yeah, he was definitely drawn to what was going on there. He really felt it was something we needed to know. So uh, were you beside yourself most of the time when he was away, um, you know, hoping that he was safe? Of course. All of our, um, four out of our five children were either in the military or Jim was, yeah. So it was a very um, frightening time as a mother. So then you had to go through his abduction and wondering, is he dead or alive? And then the realization that you learned, just like the rest of the world learned, that he had been beheaded. I mean, that's, it's awful. It was quite 
awful. It was shocking, Pat. And I really think it was shocking for our nation, too, because I don't ever think um, the Obama administration ever imagined they would do what they did to the three Americans, four in total. Um, It was horrific. Um, Where do you get the strength from to, you know, live through it, uh, to survive through it, and then to actually have the courage to face this man down? My faith in God and the goodness of people. Because it was truly after Jim's murder, I I swear, angels descended on us. So much goodness from all over the world. Um, Notes and letters and gifts and and donations to do something good in Jim's name. So, which, which you have done. We yes, that's it. Became obvious. We had to do something, particularly as a mother. Um, the more I learned about the adult Jim had become, Pat, the more strongly I felt we had to do something good in his name. And and I was angry at how our government had handled things. So I really felt that was one of our first priorities was mm. to. Our country had to do better in that regard. Um, As a a postscript, it's in the book, but it's about another trial that then goes on for one of the other people involved. And the national media interest in the trial was pretty much zero. Exactly. It was appalling. (laughs) Their preoccupation was completely elsewhere on more more trivial matters. Mm -hmm. And hard for me to understand... Um, during that trial, um, w- there was a lot of um, press from the UK, Ireland, um, and the French, but very little interest in the US media. The Johnny Depp trial was on down the road, so that's where all the cameras were. So all the cameras in. were for Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Yeah. And, uh, Which is an important story, but yes. this was an incredible story. By the way, you know, these were guys who were taken across. They weren't being shipped down to Guantanamo anymore. They weren't being taken to Abu Ghraib. The American justice system was finally standing up, spending an awful lot of money like tens of millions of dollars that they could have used 10 years ago yeah. uh, for, 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 for I mean, other that purposes. trial you're talking about, you estimate maybe, because this guy was not going to fess up. He was going right. to have his platform, Absolutely. make his speeches, have uh, federally funded attorneys working for him, uh, estimate anywhere 50, north of $50 million maybe yeah. to, to do this. Exactly, 50 to $70 million. It's a lot of money. You know, you've got experts coming from all over the world, language experts, people from Syria, people from Denmark, former hostages, hostage families. Um, then you've got the people uh, who are doing the, uh, the defence. You've got four very good lawyers giving a defence of El Shafi El Sheikh. And, and um, it really was a shining moment for, 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 for justice. The fact that the American media dropped it it was the thing that was incredibly shocking to me. And so now the great privilege is for me and Diane to be able to come back and to tell this story and, and have it in a, you know, in, in a book form that, 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 that lasts because the most important thing I think about this whole story is that Diane Foley has changed the whole landscape of how we think about hostages, hostage taking and how we approach the whole subject. It's really extraordinary. Well, it is a a truly wonderful book and there are so many moments in it. I don't want to give too many spoilers, uh, but there are wonderful moments in it. It's a truly inspiring book. It's called American Mother and it's uh, written by Diane Foley and Colin McCann uh, together as a joint enterprise. And uh, you will be uh, talking to David McWilliams. 
as a, a special event, a Dorky Book Festival event on Tuesday. That's tomorrow evening in the Pavilion Theatre in Dunleary. Uh, tickets are €21 Euro and available from pavilionteatre.ie. But Colin McCann and Diane Foley, thank you very much for joining us on the programme today. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk. Thank you. Such a pleasure.